0: Tomorrow, prayerfully, each of you will gather with loved ones, be they family or friends. It is fitting that you would be here at the Blue Point Bible Church, ready for an authentic time of focusing on what this holiday is all about. This morning, Pastor Steve and I will share exhortations with you all regarding the gifts that remain. At such a time that we rejoice in all that we have through Jesus Christ, we know many suffer, many mourn. Many are in desperate need of faith, hope, and love. We pray that our authentic sharing will be edifying to each of you, allowing the overflow to be edifying to those that may not be here with us, and allowing Christ to be made more full in each of you. I just want to share a couple of announcements with you in our bulletin here. You'll see that we have a couple things listed. First and foremost, of course, is wishing you a Merry Christmas as you continue after leaving the Blue by the church this morning. Also, there's this paper that's probably been falling out of your bulletin and following you around. Um, Please fill this out, and this is for our Sunday school beginning next week. We will begin going through videos and some in-depth discussion in our adult Sunday school. So what I've asked you to do on this paper is to either circle the ones that you like the best or number them according to your interest, and... uh, We'll be going through those videos and having some great discussions in adult Sunday school. And then please just hand it to me on your way out. We'll do an exchange. You hand me the slip, and I'll give you some gifts to leave the church with. Um, Also, this Tuesday, we will have our 5 Q discipleship. And uh, this Wednesday, our Bible study will be canceled. And then Friday, we have an XDU Christmas after party. And uh, everybody's invited to join us. We're going to be playing a gift there called The Grinch. And uh, of course that's after Christmas, don't worry. And uh, also Saturday we will have our Bible study, that will be the 30th. And I do hope that after you leave here that you'll consider joining us next week as we enter into a new sermon series, Thinking Through Scripture. And uh, a beautiful quote that I had heard this morning from Martin Luther, well I didn't hear it personally from him, really, something he says, he said, Scripture is the cradle in which Christ lies. And I think that's a, a great way to enter into a series in the new year, looking at Scripture and really wanting to understand the depths of the Scriptures and ultimately understanding the depths of all that we celebrate in the Jesus Christ. Also, on each of your seats you found a, uh, a little pamphlet about Christmas and the gifts that remain, as well as a prayer sheet. And the reason being is that if you're not comfortable lifting up your and prayers with us, when we begin to move into our corporate praise and prayer time, I would like to ask you to write them on those sheets. And that way we can be sure that your praises and prayers are part of our collective praise and prayers here at the church. And uh, you're familiar with our church. You know that we have answered prayer week after week. And uh, I do pray to be, I do hope to be praying with you and for you. So please, if you're not lifting up your praises and prayers, make use of those praise sheets and hand them in um, at the end of our uh, service. Lately I've been preaching about and seeking to encourage each of you to discern the voice of God in your life. We have rightly noted that the voice of God is a still, small whisper, which means that it requires growing closer to God, using discernment, and tuning our attention to spiritual things. Let's face it, Christmas, as we have come to know culturally, is more about the voices around us, the voices of our friends and our family not so much the voice of God. However, Christmas is very much about the voice of God. God voiced and provided what He knew His people needed, to truly know and to worship Him. Just like God's voice, God's provision did not come according to the desires or expectations of man. Rather, this provision would require certain eyes, eyes to see and ears to hear. It would be and continues to be mocked and rejected by men. Yet this provision provides abundant eternal life. Eternal life is the reality of the gift that remains. I want to take a, us to our text, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And simply read the verse. If you, you don't have to turn in the Bible. You can simply go to the front of your bulletin and the verse is right there. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So our first gift that we're going to be talking about this morning is faith. What is faith? Faith is the action of trusting in the demonstration of God, His power. You see, faith is not belief. Belief is simply assenting to not to the knowledge of or the trust in the existence of something. That's belief. But faith is the acting out of the belief, that which you know and you act upon. It's a verb, something we do. Scripture tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And that those who come to God must believe that He is, meaning that He exists, as the one true and holy God, and there is no other God besides Him. And that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. Not only does it say that, all of that in Hebrews chapter 11, it also gives us a rather humble account of the saints that have pressed on and obtained great things by faith. We also learn through the scriptures that God gives to each of us a measure of faith. It is a gift, not something we can muster up. It is given to us as God sees faith. Once we have realized that our faith is a gift and we set our eyes on the author and finisher of our faith, prayerfully, we all know that's the child that we celebrate for Christmas, Jesus Christ. We are now in, in a position to obtain things by faith. Once we set our eyes on Him and know that He has given us this faith as a gift, we can now turn and make use of the faith that He has given us. We can ask things in His name. He tells us, He said that we can move mountains by the power of His name. Now, I don't know about you, in my personal life, I don't really find a need to move mountains at this moment. I don't believe many of you do either. And to be quite frank, the first century disciples of Christ didn't need to move physical mountains. That wasn't the, the real pressing issue at that time. When Jesus spoke of moving mountains to his first century disciples, he was speaking to the magnitude of what faith can accomplish. That yes, it can, you can say to that mountain, move, and that mountain will be moved. However, I don't believe that that was what Jesus intended for us to be doing, moving mountains. I don't believe that's our pressing need. I don't believe that's the things that the measure of faith that has been given to each and every one of us is working toward. Rather, the mountains that we are called to lift up are the things that we trust God is moving in our lives. That voice of God that you're discerning, it's trusting that God will go ahead of you and move into those things. So I ask you, do you have to the gift of faith this morning? Are you blessed with that gift? Do you really feel you have that? If so, we're going to move into our time of corporate praise and prayer. And I ask that you exercise that faith. However, if you do not have that gift of faith and you do not feel convicted that I can say I have that gift, then let's pray that He would increase here. Because the disciples, the first century disciples said that, Lord, increase our faith. So we have two options this morning. We're going to pray boldly, moving mountains with our faith. Or we're going to be praying for those that do not have that faith. Amen? Let's move into our corporate praise and prayer. I will open up our time and then I will invite the saints to collectively lift up your praises and prayers. i Israel desired to display righteousness and to walk in the power of being the people of God. Essentially to live out the gifts that remain that we're speaking about this morning. But they couldn't. They could not live out the faith that they were called to live out. They could not live out the hope, the reality of the hope, and they truly invested in that hope. And then unfortunately, they did not live out the love that they were required to give and to display to the nations around them. Their desire to see God's presence manifested in and through them became known through the prophets as the hope of Israel. Mary was of the people of Israel. She had that hope as well. How beautiful is it that she and the people of God, all that they hoped for, would be provided as a baby boy. The prophet Isaiah said, A child will be given that child would be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father. He would also be referred to as the Redemption of Jerusalem and the Consolation of Israel. A baby boy. How beautiful of a reality. I love setting up this little humble cradle here um, when I do the Christmas decorations. The reason being is that that represents so much. For me, it represents that Christ is alive in my heart. The reality of Christ being here and present amongst us. He's not a baby laying in a manger. He's not a baby laying in hay. He's alive in my heart. He's alive in our our presence. You know, we have all experienced dashed hopes. Disappointment, unfaithfulness, and unfortunately the hurt and disappointment that goes with it. So I want to ask you this morning, How are you holding to that gift of hope? What are you hoping for? May it not be in a cradle any longer. You see, I want it to be alive in your heart. That your hope would be alive in your heart. That it would be a realistic hope. A hope that demonstrates the faithfulness of God. In the book of Proverbs, we read that hope deferred makes a heart sick. But a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Simply put, God does not desire sick hearts, but rather hearts that are marked by their hope being fulfilled. The beauty of what we celebrate at Christmas is Christ fulfilling the hope of Israel, being in every essence the tree of life. The beauty of metaphor is that it transcends all situations. When we use something in a metaphoric way, it can speak to many different realities. I love that Christ is means everything in the Bible. He is the vine, he is the branch, he is the root, he is the tree, he is the leaves that are used for the healing of the nations. That's just putting a couple metaphors in there, right? There's quite a few. The beauty of metaphor, again, is that it transcends situations and that that is why the Bible puts all of the reality that we know of Christ, they, they put it in metaphor because Christ can represent everything that we hope for. Everything. Many of us know that the tree of life is a metaphor for Jesus Christ, the eternal life that we have in Jesus Christ. It is intended to give eternal life as well, abundant eternal life, that our joy would be made full. Another text says that the leaves of the trees, the leaves of the tree will be used for the healing of the nations. The gift of hope remains because God wants to fulfill that hope within you, even to the extent of what we had heard some about, that the blind would see the deaf would hear, the dead would live again, the lame would leap, the dumb would speak to the praises of the Lamb. So this morning, as you think about that baby boy that was to be born and that all that we celebrated, I ask you to consider, how is that becoming real in you understanding the gift of hope? What are you hoping for? How does that reality come to life in your mind at home? Thank mm-hmm.
1: you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: be on love, and it's amazing, this morning, uh, since there was a delay in service, we went to breakfast normally, and ate with uh, we Uncle Pat, and we had time in between, so we went home for a little while. Well, Dakota woke up, and at first she seemed kind of mushy. She sat on my lap, quietly, I was able to rub her hand, and it was the greatest Christmas gift, just to have this little life in your arms, just like at peace with the world, and it it, it was the greatest blessing. So, when I speak of love, it kind of really brought it into focus. Not so much that the love was uh, given to me, but that I felt it towards her, and it was the greatest feeling. This season is a season for gift giving. And if you if you looked around at the stores, they set up their displays way back in September and they were getting ready and looking forward to a great season of buying their gifts, to give them to everybody. And it's amazing. You think that this Christmas season lasts as long as the baseball season <laughs> as, as It should last this long. But it is good that we have this season to have in our lives and even those who aren't Christian, who aren't of any faith or different faiths, they see a difference in the world during this time, this season. Because there is that greatest gift of all that is exemplified in love. And it has to touch the world So at least some small measure, because it's just so great a thing. To think that our God would be so loving towards us that He would give us that gift. So this morning to be able to speak on this I, I, I'm quite, quite honored to do that. Paul tells us that this is the greatest gift that remains with us. That that's the purpose. And I believe that that love is that greatest gift because without it, look where the world would be. Completely at odds with one another. This way we have this love that can be shown that we can possess it and give it for 1 John uh, 4.19 says, We love because He first loved us. And I think this is the greatest demonstration of love that God could ever have done. That, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. The question is, why would God so love the world? when you know that the world has turned their back on him, when they just kind of despise everything that he has provided for us, we'd rather do it our way than his way, why would he love the world so much? It's it's amazing that with his teachings, with the word of God, that so many would still reject it. Man left upon himself just would simply destroy everything. He would destroy himself and he would destroy others. You can see it ever since the beginning from Cain and Abel. And it was, I'm sure it was even much earlier than that, but that's the first example that we have in our Bibles. That it was man left to, unto himself, allowed not to have that love in his heart, and how he demonstrates it? By like killing his brother. Such a shame. It really isn't until Jesus comes And he ministers a message that is so different from what they had heard before. He ministers a message of love and how it has changed the world. Jesus, the eternal Son of God, had set aside his glory because he loved those he was coming to minister to. His glory was set aside. He humbled himself to be born as a babe in a manger with no recognition in the world at all except the star and maybe a, a couple of shepherds and eventually some magi and now a whole world that looks upon this message that was given forth because God so loved us. There is God who gave His only begotten Son. Now that Son He loved eternally but yet He was willing to sacrifice and say no, I'm going to give, my son, a great gift. One that would become the Savior of all of us. Of course, God's love was demonstrated to us. in that He would send his very best, even better than all my heart. I had to look that up. I knew I'd heard that somewhere, but it was Hallmark that says, if you care to send the very best, well, the very best came that first Christmas morning. God's own son. There are many examples of how he has changed the world because of the effect of God's kingdom. If you look around, you see the effects all over. With his love, there are ministries, hospitals, orphanages, charities, etc., etc. So many things. None of which really would have been possible if it had not been God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Because we never had these things before. Man looked only unto himself. He wanted to conquer, he wanted to destroy, and take over everything. But you see from the time of Jesus, though we haven't done it perfectly, there has been a steady increase of His kingdom and the effect of it in the world. The saying that we hear so often is, peace on earth and goodwill towards men could only have been because the Prince of Peace came into the world. God tried to get that message across first through His people that He had brought out of slavery, out of Egypt. He had given them Ten Commandments and, and in the act of the Exodus itself, He displayed a love towards His people. But it was not appreciated. They had given them a law that would set them them aside from all the rest of the world to exemplify what God had done for them and what He wanted to do through them. But that was not appreciated. They transgressed that law in every way possible. The scriptures speak of the gift of God. So often in the... we, We read about it two times in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, five times we read the words, gift of God. find that in John 4.10, Acts 8.20, Romans 6.23, Ephesians 2.8, 2 2 Timothy 1.16. But the only verse in it that really makes it clear as to what that gift is, is in Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life, in Christ Jesus our Lord. God is always giving. I mean, we have Santa who gives, but only one night a year. But God gives 24 7, 365. He is always giving. And, we do, and, and, and it's amazing that He does. He first gave us our Son, His Son, as a free gift of God. It is free to us. But it did cost the life of Jesus upon the cross. Eternal life. Without Jesus, you don't have it. You look at this, you know, as you get older, and you, and you see, you know, when you have children, and then you have grandchildren, and who knows someday if you're blessed to have great grandchildren. You can see them, these things, as great gifts. And you say, yeah, that's that's a treasure that when I go to my, my grave that I can say I have, that I've left something behind. But still, far, what far surpasses that is the greatest gift of the love of God that He would provide His Son as a Savior. That He would accomplish a salvation that, that out outmeasures anything, anything else. So it is A great gift, it is a great salvation. Tomorrow morning when everyone wakes up and see what Santa leaves you and you're opening up the new tie or the new vacuum cleaner or or a box of candy or new car. uh, (laughs) Keep in mind that the greatest gift of all is Jesus Christ and the eternal life that He freely gives us. And it is all by faith. Another free gift. You know, we think sometimes that the faith that we have in our God is something that we've developed because we're so smart. Well, after all, I read the Bible, I see why it's so good. That too, in Ephesians 2, 8, says it is not of ourselves, but it is a gift of God to have that faith. And we can see different measures of it in different people. But to have a faith that you can cling to the Word of God and you can cling to His faithfulness and have a hope that has been fulfilled, that truly is the blessing. The fullness of God's love is in that completed salvation that He allows us to enter into His kingdom now and forever. Now we can unwrap different gifts, but that true treasure lies within our hearts. Yes, love is the greatest all the different uh, gifts that are mentioned in in 1 Corinthians. Faith and hope are great, but without love, as that chapter says, we have nothing. Praise our God for His love that He has shown towards us and the blessings that He has given to us, His children, each and every day. Amen. Amen. I also asked if I would kind of conclude and wrap this up a little bit. And I'd like to say that this is the season of giving. We do receive so many gifts. And we do open them and say thank you and we're blessed by them. But they're temporary. These three gifts are eternal. We have the gift of faith. Oh, to believe. What a treasure that is. We say... Our Savior came in a manger. Some would say, that's absurd. But to believe that, to hold fast to that, to say that God loved us so much that He gave, He didn't hold back anything. He gave His only Son. Great. And to believe that, to hold fast in your heart, that truth and to see that through the Scriptures and what He has promised, He has been faithful to accomplish. That we had a hope of eternal life, that He came, He provided for us, that for us, and today we have it. Some say, well, you you have no hope. It's gone. What, What do you have to look forward to? Oh. You are the one who has no hope if you don't see the blessings that have been fulfilled by our Lord and Savior. I'd rather have that hope tucked away in my heart and know that it's true by faith than to say, well, possibly maybe someday. To have it, to hold it, that's truly a great gift. And that it was all done because He first loved us. We would be loveless and lost. But He first loved us. And that's such a blessing. And to know that it is true. Amen. So enjoy your Christmas day tomorrow.